Welcome to Tampa Tantrum, The Lost Files. Back in the summer of 2012, myself Stephen Layton and Colin Harmon hosted a group of 12 coffee luminaries to come present on the coffee topic of their choice at the SCA World of Coffee event in Vienna. This was not the first time we put on such an event, but it was the first time we didn't have control of the AV crew for the production. The previous two events we collated a set of videos which can be viewed at tampatantrum.com. But in Vienna, something went horribly wrong with the video quality that we had. Although something gets lost without the visuals, I decided that instead of them being lost forever, I would make them available in audio format. This is number eight in the series, so please give it up for the world famous Miss Trish Rothbeg. Wow, what a crowd. This is great. Let's see if I can hold your attention, huh? Defect-free coffee or zero-defect coffee. So in keeping with the idea of this tamper tantrum, I want to keep everything in a way sort of drawn out as if it were a thought bubble or a thought cloud above my head. Because these are just ideas, very kind of loose ideas. And I had this experience uh, maybe a lot of you had on the way here in the air. Maybe I'm a little bit weird, but I like to drink the airplane coffee or the hotel coffee. Sometimes they have the packets. And some people say, well, I st you know, stay away from that. I'm not going to touch that stuff. I feel sort of responsible for tasting all the coffee that's out there. Because I really want to know what's really being tasted, what's really, what people in the world are sort of drinking. And then I had these, um, we had some discussions over the last few years. A couple of years ago, I went to the first meeting of what was then GCQRI, Global Coffee Research Initiative, almost. It's been changed to World Coffee Research at the Borlaug Institute at Texas A&M. And we had a speaker who talked to us about wine. Okay, and this is one of my things I like to grapple with, the idea of wine as an analogy for coffee. Sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't like it. And um, one of the things that this guy said was that about 30 years ago, maybe 35 years ago, there was all kinds of defect wine everywhere. You open a bottle, it was vinegar. Now we sort of maybe have a corkage issue once in a while, but even that's going away. Pretty much what he said is that they have achieved what he called perfect wine. Okay, perfect wine, and then I thought, okay, so of course he's floating this idea as if it could happen with coffee, or he's just floating the idea. Defect-free coffee, zero defect coffee. So that's sort of the inspiration for this. Every once in a while I might put a little wine analogy in there. I don't want you to hold it against me. Don't kind of bring it back and haunt me with it, but hope you understand. So if this is all the coffee in the world, remember this is like a thought bubble above my head, I'm thinking about these things. If this is all the coffee that's available to us, including the stuff that was on the airplane on my way here. Maybe, and I don't have the proportions right, maybe that is zero defect coffee. I'm not talking really about perfect coffee yet. Perfect, I mean, in the sense that wine was using it, defect-free, zero-defect coffee. So, what is that? Defective coffee. K 
can look something like this. It's all ranges of this. But then as I was looking into this a little bit more, I know what I think of as defect. SCAE has a standard, SCAA has a standard. All this stuff here on the right is sort of a schedule of defects. It's not, I don't think it's the one that's in the SCAA book. But like these are brokens and this is a cherry pod. And those are the things that are sort of classified as physical defect. Think of it as objective, absolutely objective. You can find these things if you learn those things. You can find them, pick them out. The more you pick out with your hand or whatever way you pick them out, you could achieve defect-free coffee. But I only have this stuff over here on the right, on the left, because I want to talk about the, even the standard for that, where I consider this to be an objective practice. This stuff was found on a website by an SCAA member who had in the captions and in all of the text under these pictures talked about how there were these SCA standards and these were part of the SCAA standards. Close-up pictures that have no relation to the actual SCAA standard. So they have identified here things like I might take objection to this insect damage picture. I might have an objective uh, there's some objection to this malformed. That's not, there's no such thing as malformed on the schedule of defects for SCAA. Black, I, I don't like this picture. I don't know what that is. This is not informative at all. And yet, this is someone who's saying, I know all there is to know about defect, and I'm showing you what you should be aware of, and our coffee doesn't have it. Okay, so I'm just giving you that idea that even on something that we think of as totally objective, or I think of as objective, it can be people completely off standard. And we know that throughout the world there are different schedules of defect and there's a lot of meeting of the minds that still has to be done on this, but it is an objective thing that we could conceivably pick out of a coffee and get no defects in a coffee. So if we were to enlarge in our opportunity of zero defect coffee, I'm not gonna say we could get rid of all of the defects. So I created like, of course, this This is my perfect world. Let's enlarge it, let's expand the amount of uh, zero defect coffee, if we could. Technical things are happening all the time. We know that in Brazil, they have incredible mechanical ways of picking out defect um, that are not just people laboriously picking with their hands, but every day we have more and new things available to us that will help us pick these objective boo-boos out of the coffee. So if we could do that, you might have that much more. Wouldn't that be great? So here's my defect-free world. If we had zero defect coffee that much, or even just super more clean coffee, what's how you say it, super more clean? What could you expect to happen in our world and even the world of people that were on the airplane with me coming here? Does anyone have any thoughts to contribute? What do you say, Rick? People would drink more coffee. Okay, anything else? Sorry? People will enjoy drinking coffee more. What else could happen maybe in terms of our business or the market? Anything else to offer? Yeah. 
people would understand what they're paying for. Mm -hmm, that's a good one. Anything else? Mm -hmm. We might look really bad. Oh, we might get a rude awakening of what we consider to be specialty. Resetting of a baseline. So I came up with some brainstorming myself because, like you said, I've been thinking about this. What if we had zero defect coffee? What does that mean to the world? You know, exciting. I thought I had figured this whole thing out, right? More and better yields solving the shortage, which we hear about the shortage are, there's a shortage of specialty in the world. So in this picture, this is Rick Reinhardt who's sitting in the audience. He gave us these ideas at the symposium at SCAA. And he gave us these two graphs. And I just want you to look at this. This tells you these two constants. The black is the linear for consumption. The red is the linear for the production, which doesn't seem so dire until you look at this down here and you realize that this constant is the milds consumption or the milds, this linear, now I've already confused myself. This linear, oh, there are two different colors that you can't see. This is the linear for naturals and robustas. That's the reality. This is the linear for what you and I like to drink, I'm assuming right now with all of us here, that you and I like to drink washed milds generally. That's what we call specialty coffee closer to zero defect than anything else. So what the reality of this situation is, and I also want you to look at this, the light blue and the dark blue. The light blue is a constant rise in consumption, but the production is all kind of this and that, okay? What I want you to get out of these graphs is that there is a real potential shortage shortage of wash miles of stuff that could be potentially defect free. Consumption is growing and consumption is growing at a rate that is consistent with the growth of natural and robustas. Not that they're evil, I'm just saying. We're just dividing things up like that. If you understand what I mean, what this is a long way of saying there is a potential risk of not having enough for all the people who are getting into specialty, we kind of need more opportunity for specialty coffee and so, producers make more money because they could conceivably take some of the coffee that was on their farm or in their production that didn't rate high on the scale and they could use some of these technical advances to clean their coffee up and anything that was like a 76 bumps up to an 80 just by taking out the boo-boos and doing a little bit more technical assistance, anything that used to be kind of on the, kind of on the edge of specialty, all the way in specialty, and anything that was what they considered specialty, even higher in specialty, just by technical assistance, just by taking out the stuff that doesn't look good, objectively taking out the stuff. Greater quality across the spectrum, so, like I said, everything bumps up a little bit. Even the good stuff bumps up even higher. Conservation, or conversation shifts to the differentiation of specialty lots versus like anything we're always talking about defect. Just like in wine, they don't talk about defect anymore. Now they're only talking about nuance, flavor, 
They're only talking about capturing new markets. Now they're only expanding themselves to different parts of that wine drinking market. They're talking about box wine now. They're not afraid to put wine in boxes, in cans. They're not afraid. Uh, there are wineries up by White where I live in the Sonoma Valley that have gone back to the jug where you bring the jug back every week and fill it with the wine from the winemaker. They're not afraid of those things because they have perfect wine. All they have to talk about is all the stuff you and I really want to talk about, which is why is this coffee taste like this and this one's greater than this. We don't have to worry when we're at Cup of Excellence of up, oh, cup number 45, draw a line through it, it's out. It's never going to happen. You're only talking about the amazingness of the coffee from now on. So that's the perfect coffee world, maybe, in the world. But here's the mass of reality. Here's our reality mass. The zero defect fallacy, a small unresolved fable. Now I'm going to tell you a little story. And if this story makes your ears itch or whatever it is, burn what it is, Consider the idea that I might be talking about two totally different people. Okay? It might, you might have, someone might have told me your story and I'm relaying it to you. If it rings a bell, it might not actually be about you. I'm okay, I'm dishing. It's a little bit of dirt. So um, there was this roaster who um, had gone to some training programs and had learned all about how to pick defects from coffee, so he was all excited because he knew what defects were then. And he had a good relationship with this producer who every year he bought this producer's coffee. Went to that person knowing full well that that person had the same training, knows exactly what boo-boos he's talking about. They're same paging. They're excited, they start to talk about the potential for a zero defect coffee to come out of this producer's farm and be delivered, delivered in the next season. They talk about it all the time. They get really excited with each other. This is going to be the greatest coffee ever. It's zero defect coffee, man. This is incredible. We're going to do this thing. And I'm just going to pay you whatever it takes to pick your coffee because I just want this to be zero defect coffee. The problem is they thought they were same paging, but they really weren't. When the guy got the pre-ship and the arrival, counted tons of defects. Now, what happened was, if I'm looking at it from both sides of the story, they both kind of have a point, but they kind of don't have a point on both sides. The, the roaster thought he knew that producer so well, they were friends, that they thought they knew they were talking the same language. But the producer has other things to deal with. They have things like an EP standard, European prep. Maybe they were really going with that prep. Maybe they were thinking zero defect means zero primary defect, not zero secondary defect. He couldn't possibly mean secondary defect. That's like impossible. Then the guy in the roasting side is like, I can't believe it. We talked about this thing. I have to reject this coffee. It's not what we talked about. So I asked the roaster when he was telling me the story, did you tell the other guy exactly what you meant by zero defect? I didn't have to. That one knew exactly what I meant by zero defect. I said, not really. That guy could be thinking EP. They could be thinking all kinds of different things. They could be thinking you couldn't have possibly meant secondary. That's nearly impossible to clean and it's total 
entirety. Or they thought you really didn't mean it or whatever, but did you write it in the contract? I didn't think I needed to. So the coffee was rejected. Now they have a strained relationship. It's all gone, as they say in England, gone pear-shaped, unresolved fable. So how do you remedy that? Was the person thinking about European prep standards? Were they thinking about the Q grader system? Were they thinking about SCAA standards? Were they thinking about the Brazil schedule defect? What were they thinking about when they started talking about this stuff? We th it's just like that other slide I showed with that roaster who had the defect up on their website, all proud they thought they knew the defects. They don't really know. They looked in a book. They thought they knew. They're not calibrating on defects. And this is an objective practice we could calibrate on. And then they just also didn't also understand the actual limitations of a mill or the costs involved. So did they actually name the price it would take to make zero defect coffee? And did that guy accept that price? All this stuff can be written in objective ways in a contract, right? So that's the reality mass, is you have these kind of things happening all the time. People think they're on the same page, but they're not. But I want to say, don't give up the dream, because there is a lot of potential for all those things we talked about before. Hopefully, maybe, and most of all, we'll get better coffees, which is really important to me. And I think that the solution is sensory calibration. How do you do it? If you did a sensory calibration and everybody understood how to taste coffee, we think we do now. But the problem is we don't know how to taste defect together. A lot of us are calibrated on specialty, not on defect. You can't know what an 83 is unless you know what a 72 is, in my opinion. Broader and more specific definition of quality. And with a specific definition, you can have more and better coffees. You have a wider range available to you if you understand what quality is. We don't have to reject robustas. We don't have to reject naturals because we have a calibration on what quality is. We think we do now. We even think we have calibration on what defect is in the physical sense. I'm not really sure we do, even with all the training we get. We have realistic expectations for transforming mediocre lots, like I said before, into specialty, squarely in the specialty range and higher, tighter contracts so there's mitigates all the rejection. And a better understanding of our own discipline. This is what I really want you to leave here with because it's kind of the big punchline for this whole thing is that everything I hear written about, talked about, thought about in our world is about what production is doing wrong. It's all about what they are doing in that country that they could do better. They have the defect problem, not us. But how many of you have had a bad roast and still put it across the bar? How many of you are not sure if you're a pour over but still put it across the bar? It's not okay. I mean, it really gets to me. It totally does because we ask them to jump through hoop after hoop after hoop after hoop. And we still haven't calibrated on how we pour a coffee and how we roast the coffee. So if we're going to ask for all of these producers to jump through hoops, we better darn well pay them to pick their coffee to make it cleaner. And then we have a responsibility on our side. It's only happened once for me when at one company I worked for, we bought the La Esmeralda, Panama, 
geisha coffee and Rachel Peterson came to the roastery and we had um, a certain brewing device that was popular back in the day, this automatic thing that kind of shot water into a thing and it pressed a thing. And she was like, really, that's, that's how you're gonna brew my coffee? And I was like, well, you know, the, all the kids are doing it. She's like, really? Okay, and so I never like it with this brew method. I never tend to like it. I'm like, okay, well then they're trying all these different things on this contraption to make a good cup for Rachel Peterson because she's right there trying to drink her own coffee and it's everyone, she's kind of like, uh, uh. I finally pull out a Melita plastic thing that I kind of kept in my desk because I've been an enthusiast since back in the day and we just made a pour over really fast and she's like, okay, okay, okay. I got it now, this is good, this is a good roast. Like she could evaluate the coffee because it was brewed like in a standard way that made sense to her. So if we're gonna ask Rachel Peterson to jump through a million hopes for us, are we gonna brew coffee when she shows up and visits the way she wants it brewed? Are we gonna roast it in a way that does it justice? We can't ask for all that without some kind of sensory calibration, not only on defect, but the defect that we have in our roasting rooms and the defect we have in our brewing. And so that's my perfect world, is that, that everybody gets together in cups all the time, not just for defect, but cups for roast defect and cups for brewing defect. And that the more we calibrate, then we can do even more than just picking the boo-boos out, we can actually create a bigger mass of defect-free in the world. That's all I have for you. Thank you. So, can we cook together at some point? No. Oh, go on. It'd be great. You could tell me I was wrong and I was filling the sheet in wrong and shout at me. No. <laughs> yes, of course. We, I think people, it's something I talked to Rick Reinhardt about a couple of times. I call him up and bug the hell out of him. And he takes my calls, which is kind of amazing, that we should have these big, giant, what I call the big-ass cupping calibration, where at these festivals there's just a room where people, data is being collected because we're just cupping together and calibrating together. Like the calibration is serious. Like we just get together and collect all this data. Now the problem is we're all volunteers and it takes a long time to do that kind of thing, but I think that wouldn't that like, be I, amazing? Well I can focus on the, the few times in my life I've actually felt I've got better at cupping and every time has been a cup of excellence during. Yeah. Every single time I come away from these things and I'm like a cupping machine. You know, yeah. I'm just I'm I'm calibrated, I'm ready to go, I'm excited, you know, and I kinda and I'm picking out things that I wouldn't normally pick out. But then you fall back into the same old ways of, okay, I've got to get this roast done, I've got to get this out, I've got to answer my email, I've got to do this, and, and you get distracted from it all. Yeah, and that's one of the great things about Cup of Excellence is that it actually, by the time you leave there, you feel like you're calibrated with those people. They force you to calibrate. Yeah. Yeah. They oh, make you otherwise accountable. you get called out, and, yeah. you, and you went, you, it's not fun getting called out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. so have we got any questions from the audience that we'd like to ask Trish? Please have questions, because I'm rubbish at this stuff. You're so self-deprecating. I'm terrible. I, 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 I'm questioned like out. I'm beating himself up constantly. I do. That, 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 isn't that what we all do in the coffee industry, though? We'd be like, we're not very good when you yeah. get with your, your fellow colleagues. So, Well, I could take the time to sort of plug what happened over there. This That um, would be great. because the last couple of days. Please, because I haven't seen that. I've been 
they made me sit in the corner for the whole week. Yeah, it's hard. Everyone's so occupied. Should we sit? We should. I could sit over here. What's better for cameras? Um, so I'm trying to walk the walk or walk the talk as it is, and we started a roasting competition that is being um, offered to the WCE. And the idea of that is, just like I said, when, you know, I was around when the barista competition started, everybody was complete crap, even like the winners or the people, except for like two guys from Norway that were awesome way back then. I don't know, it was like some weird anomaly. They ended up in the same country on the same like span of time. But everybody was horrible. And over time, because of the competitions forced them to get better, they're not gonna get better by themselves. In, and I'm sorry, you can't get better if you're a weirdo and just work all day for no reason, but competitions really helped that happen over the course of the last 10 years. You can go anywhere, like in major hubs in the world, and find a shot of espresso poured the correct way. You can quibble about how good it is, but it's within a standard that's accepted and delicious. I, th I think the other part for me is I, I'm like a competition junkie. Like, the reason I'm here is because WBC's on. That's why I'm here. People but love I, it. But I can't compete because I'm an awful barista. See, look, there you no, are I know, but No, but uh, no, I, 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 ac I actually have evidence for this. Like, you put me in so front of a machine. Yeah, and I can give you evidence. But, you know, being but a you're barista, a very good roaster. Uh, well, this is the, the very, like, that's one of the thing, few things in my life I'm good at. I'm, I'm, so I you like run around a lot. You run around. Run around in circles, so yeah. So you're good at that? You yeah. do running? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not very good at that. I'm getting better you're at that. You're a nice dresser. I, I, I have nice Look shoes. Look at the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I dress sense of Nick Cho. Is that oh. a good thing? <laughs> but no, like, I've always wanted to compete. Also, we think we think you have a really good face. Ooh. Nick and I decided that we like your face. Oh, so thank much. you. Oh, I like this. This is good. Well, I want to build you up because you're really great. <laughs> oh, thank you. You hate yourself. But, but no, anyway. competition is like I've always wanted to compete, and this is an opportunity now. Yeah. Like to do that as yeah. a as a roaster, you can actually remember get on when the I stage. tried to get you in on this a while ago. I did, and I and you were too busy because you were. Somebody was winning with your coffee at WBC and you couldn't deal with Some it. Some stuff happened and it Too was busy. Too much stuff on your plate. But, but like, I, I, I'll come out on camera now and I, I, if, if there's an opportunity to enter next year, I'll enter. Great. I'll do it. But the there idea is that with competition, then people are going to actually critically look at their roasts. We know that's happening now with Brewer's Cup and hopefully that's sort of like fast track to better coffee on all levels so that, you know. For sure, because I mean, like bar the barista competition has made baristas get better. If you look at the standard, as you say, from 10 years ago to now, it's night and day difference, and hopefully a roasting competition will do exactly the same. So I hope so. I hope it gets better. Awesome. So the question is, how, did the co how does the coffee competition work? Um, we wanted this coffee competition to be... It was Philip Ockerblum from Sweden. Uh, he called me about two years ago, and he said... Um, Hey, how are you doing? He said, if you were to write a game about roast, a roasting competition game, what would the rules be like in the game? And I sort of told him, hey, it looked like this, and we should have people do this and this and this. And he goes, okay, write that down, and we're going to do that. And I was like, okay, let's do that. So basically, it's about the skill. So a roaster could show up here with nothing with them and win the thing. You're not supposed to bring any of your own equipment. You can't bring your own coffee. So we have um, some roasters, so two geese and roasters. They're six kilo roasters. 
And we have coffee do donated by Cafe Imports. There is, um, it's a three-day competition. The first, comp the first part of the competition is something about, kind of like what I talked about today. They pick for defects the three coffees offered to them. Uh, they test it for moisture, density, and screen size, and make a report about the coffee. And they also roast in some small probat barrel roast roasters, little samples so they can taste it. And from all that data, they decide which one they're going to use in the big roasters on the next day. On the beginning of the next day, which was today, they had to submit their green coffee evaluation report and also a plan for their roast profile. The roast profile has to be written down in some sort of narrative that describes what the cup quality will be like and also how they're going to plan to apply the heat inside the roaster and what the curve will look like, if you know what that means. So the heat application is documented and they sort of give this plan. This is an interesting part, the plan. Because the plan heretofore, we've not seen it ever really judged in any way. That's very strict. So there's a big wide berth for success on this one. You don't have to hit numbers exactly because in a new environment outside your own creature comforts, it's almost impossible to do so. You might be able to hit it. I might be able to hit it every day if we know what the weather's like. But someone who's just showing up here with one hour of practice time on that roaster can't be expected to do that. So we give them a big window to hit their marks, so to speak. But their cup quality has to match on the third day. The third day, they submit their coffee roasted. Um, after their one hour, which was today, one hour of roasting time, they have 12 kilos they can have for these six kilo capacity roasters. They have one hour to complete uh, the roast uh, profiles they want. They can do any combination of one full batch, four half batches, or whatever. They can even blend coffee if they want to blend coffee. They just have to um, give me the green evaluation report for any coffee they're using, and the roast profile has to uh, reflect what they're going to do in terms of blending. Either they blend before or after the roast. But if they blend after the roast, they have to submit two roast profiles to go with the two different roasts. So, Tim, were you asking because you're considering entering next year as well then? Yeah? We have a Norwegian who was our participant this year from Solberg & Hansen, Simo, who um, was so great. All the people that came were invited this time because it's a practice. So they were invited. There are seven people that showed up. One is from Norway, Guatemala, USA, Taiwan, South Africa, Australia, and Holland. Cool. And all, straight away, they all became really good friends. They started like helping each other with picking defect. It was crazy. I'm like, you sure want to do that? <laughs> They're just like helping each other. They're all really so excited. And of course, we picked all those people on purpose because they all pretended, if, if it's not true, they pretended to not care about winning. Because they're if not we, allowed to win. If this we year. do it, I'll just put defects in yours. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna stamp out all that goodwill for next year, aren't you? Just get it out of there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. yeah sabotage. So, so what's what's happening next year? This is gonna be at the Nice event. At the Nice event. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Huh? Oh, day three is cupping. So tomorrow, all the stuff shows up, and three judges from the WCE, certified by their sensory whatnot that they do to sensory judge people. And, but they've also been sort of screened for the fact that 
they are people that in their own roasteries regularly cup for quality the production roasts. So not the sample roasts in the cupping lab, but the production roast that's produced by the production roasters. Those people regularly screen that coffee, and so they know how to taste market roast coffee. Those three people are the judges, and then all of the roasters cup with the judges. The judges' scores are separated from the roasters, and we see if they agree, wow. just for fun. Cool. So uh, next year, how do people get involved? How, what, so it's going to be open the next, next year? The next year is follow in, in keeping with everything for the WCE, which is they have to be uh, put forth by their sanctioned body in their neck of the woods. So if you want to have some kind of thing in England, you have to do a little show and find a person, and that person goes to Nice. Cool. Can I do it in Ireland? <laughs> I could do it in Ireland. <laughs> the, um, the, so um, if, if somebody's coming from a country and they're the only person that wants to do it in that country, not that that will happen, can they be nominated by their national body? Yeah, cool. they have to go through the national body. I kind of like, that's not my area, so... You're right to do that. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and how is it going to work on a bigger scale? Are you going to have more roasters, more space? I, I mean, I think as a competition, it takes up a lot of space. Yeah, yeah. it could potentially, right? Yeah. We already know that it needs more space in... We've worked out a lot of kinks this time. We need more space for grading and evaluation. Um, the two roasters worked out great. There's tons of time on the two roasters. We expand the day, it'll be fine. If we have way more roasters, uh, it might be four roasters instead of two longer days but it has to be at least three days and uh, yeah I think we could there's a lot of roasting hours in this day that haven't been used so fantastic yeah hello how are you I'm okay this man's just been making drinks I know yeah. making magic I came back to give out to you because you're taking the limelight away from all the, the baristas with oh, your, I cannot your believe that I won't yeah. really believe that it's an issue. Oh, you, you, had a, you had a big audience that was great it was lots yeah, of people wanted to nice. come nice that was good yeah. Seriously, though, I think um, the, the best thing about the show this year with all the new competitions and the new setups and, and the Brewers Cup growing mm -hmm. as well is, um, is that people see there's a diversity in our career uh, in coffee and people spoke yesterday about, oh, you know, a barista isn't a viable career. But, I mean, you could say, like, a guy who makes cheese isn't a viable career. But there's definitely an industry for him to grow within. And to see there's different aspects to what you can do and you can stay within the same community and upskill is a huge thing. And it's, uh, it's very inspiring. And I think it's an amazing thing that you've done. I, th I think also, like, with, with Nice, with there not being a WBC there, I think it will be amazing. To, like, these competitions really fill those spaces when WC is going to somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so I, th I think that'll be fantastic to have. Like, I think there'll be a lot more focus on that competition, too. Yeah, I think that has a good potential. And if everybody just is patient with it, is my only plea. If people are patient, and I was telling somebody, give, give it time to develop its lung capacity... Um, it's gonna. There's a lot of demand for it. There's a lot of demand for from roasters and from sponsors who want to be there for it. So yeah, it's a matter of creating the infrastructure that WBC enjoys now. I think like a lot of the competitions have a problem in that. Um, if people disagree with it, they decide to uh, to use certain channels that probably aren't very productive. So how open are you to people, you know, sticking their nose in and giving suggestions or feedback or? That kind of thing. Well, that's exactly why we did this, so that all those seven people that worked on it 
they're considered volunteers. They're considered part of this unofficial committee of making it better for next time. Absolutely open to all of that. The thing that weirds me out the most is when people are absolutely either silent or apathetic about it. And people that, you know, probably I would have expected to come by and at least take five minutes to look at it are like, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, really, you're not even a little bit interested? <laughs> yeah, well, like if you don't take the time to do that, then you, um, you've completely given away your right to give out about it at yeah. all. So I think, uh, Come, uh, if you want to have a moan, you have to come and see it first. I wanted to come and see it. I haven't been allowed to leave here. Yeah, that might be my fault, though. Yeah. <laughs> One of the other things, though, about the thi the, some of the feedback I've gotten, some of the pushback I've gotten about this is that people who are roasters are like, we're just roasters. We just do our thing in our roastery. Like, we don't want the limelight. We don't want to be out there with that? the limelight. I desperately we want the do limelight. We don't the music and the thing and the whatnot. What about me? <laughs> Except for, like, this. Do they have to have napkins? Is that one of the rules now? Yes, you have okay. to do a tablecloth. <laughs> I can't drink a beverage without a napkin. No, no. no, but people have said to me, like, I don't want to see any rock star roasters running around like they own the world. And I'm like, when has that ever sucked for baristas? Because all of the, anyone that you could claim to be a rock star barista has only been awesome for the industry. Yeah. Like, how has that ever gone wrong? I could name maybe one or two people. <laughs> I think that Maybe not even, and then like, people would argue it, right? Yeah. It's not really it, been a problem. I, I, I'm looking at what is, is Willem a rock star barista? He's like a. a yeah, I, I, he's yeah. more a folk star barista, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. But, but like the best ambassador for he's coffee. He's the traveling minstrel show. That whole rock star thing is, is funny. Like, yeah, hey, hey, I make coffee! Yeah, <laughs> rock and roll. Well, the whole pushback about not having people become celebrities, it's not really been a big problem, if you really you, think no, about it. No, do you know what, though? No one's taking it and running I'd with it in a weird way. I'd love to be a, like, a ro like, as a barista, you have all these amazing people to look up to, you know, the James Hoffmans and the Gwillems. That's why I got into Mike it. Phillips. Yeah. And, like, as a roaster, totally. who do we look up to? We just, we look across at each other and go, I think you're good. Yeah, yeah you're I good tasted too. that one. That yeah. one was good. You're ace. Yeah. I really liked your coffee, but there's nobody you can think, I really want, I want to aspire to be like them. Um, yeah. And there's yeah. a I mean, lot the of, everything's kind of cloaked in terms of like how we do what we do. No one really talks to each other that much about how they roast. Uh, sure. Unlike baristas that are always like showing up and the pulling shots together. It doesn't happen with roasters. Let's, ha let, let, let's have a, a roast art showdown. <laughs> And then we can have can the big-ass like, patterns with the beans with when they fall yeah. out or something? Yeah, I'm going gonna to drop my beans out in a pattern with the bin. And <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> now, that's awesome. Listen, thank you so much for agreeing to Thanks do this. We were like, when, when it came to ask, it was like, Carlin, can you ask Trish? <laughs> and I'm so I'm pleased scary, that you though. did. You are, well, you are on email. You can be on email. You scared that's me a Nick lot. That's what Nick says. He says I'm too concise. Yeah. I'm too... I'm not Kurt. That's what he says about, that's you know, what he says about me as well. We should actually attack him right now for this. You know, you're too right on email. That's a problem because you were saying that I was wrong and I was agreeing with it going, well, yeah, how do you argue against that one then? Do you want to talk about that right now? No. Okay. Never. We can have it Never out. again. No, Conveniently no, brought it up at one minute. Not where you can hit me. That's, you're way too close to talk about that. Now, listen, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I am so grateful. Um, it's been uh, amazing to have well, you on. And you the video, I know. This, this is, is a lot be. of work for you guys, especially Colin, whose attentions are divided. 
I would say I actually picked up the, uh, the the easy end of this one. But mm -hmm. <laughs> to be fair, like every other one, Collins organised. So it was about time I did something. So yeah, it's good. Um, we're going to close the stage now for the results. After the results, you all have to come back because Jeff Watts is going to be on. And how awesome will Jeff be? I mean, it's just yeah. going to be a stunning, stunning presentation too. That is us. Uh, well, as soon as the results are finished, okay. as soon as the results are announced, make your way here. It's going to be around about four o'clock, we reckon. Excellent. Ish. But um, yeah, awesome. Please. Thank you very much, Trish. Geb. Woo!